You're listening to a podcast from Columbia Christian Fellowship in Columbia, Pennsylvania. Our services are weekly at 10 a.m. We hope to see you there. people were on vacation, but two most important people are here. You're here, and God's here, so we're good to go. Chris, you might as well make your way up since you're so far in the back. Chris is going to read for us in a moment. So we've been talking about discipleship. That's a good church word, but what does it really even mean? Well, Jesus used it, go and make disciples, Waiting for things to settle down a little bit. Last week, we actually entitled the message Discipleship 101. New believers, people coming to know Christ, lost souls coming to know Christ, life change, world-shaking life change, eternal life, life change. New believers then need to be discipled. That's not enough. You don't have a baby and leave the baby in the birthing room, right? Right? None of you have done that, have you? Richard, you haven't left any of your babies in the birthing room, have you? No. You bring them home and you nurture them and you take care of them. Well, a a newly born Christian is a new baby in Christ. Needs to be taken care of. We just happen to call it discipleship. You can call it nurturing or whatever word you want to put there. New believers need to be taught correctly. Our kids don't know what to do out of the birthing room. We teach them as they grow up. They need to be taught in order to grow strong and to be able to serve in the kingdom, serve effectively in the kingdom. This week's passage, the next section of Acts chapter, well, we'll be going into, we'll finish up 18, we'll go into 19. This week's passage supports this premise of Discipleship 101. It's almost as if Luke wrote this next passage to affirm our point from last week. So Chris, if you'll come, we'll stand. We're going to honor God's word together. We'll honor Chris for being willing to read the word to us. And your text is Acts chapter 18, 24 through 19, uh, verse 7. Oh, does it is that what you have? Uh, I have a 28, but I, I can make it, I can make it work. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he knew only about John's baptism. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. Apollos had been thinking about going to Achaia, and the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. They wrote to the believers in Achaia, asking them to welcome him. When he arrived there, he proved to be of great benefit to those who, by God's grace, had believed. He refuted the Jews with powerful arguments in public debate. Using the scriptures, he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. 
While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. No, they replied, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, they asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Thanks, Chris. You may be seated. So today's title, Further Instruction Needed. And in our text today, we'll meet first an individual, Apollos, and then a group of individuals, Ephesians believers, who did not have a complete understanding of the Christian life or the Christian experience. Are you with me? Two accounts of believers with incomplete information and understanding who needed further instruction in the Christian life and experience. In other words, believers that needed discipleship. They needed to be discipled. The nature of this message is going to be very informative, and there's going to be some teaching with a simple, familiar application. But again, as we've seen in the last several weeks, the emphasis is in the application. So if you want to take a quick nap now and then wake up for the application, that'll be okay. That's where I'm really going to... No, you can't fall asleep. You'll miss what we're saying. You won't understand the application. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. Apollos is a guy who had a good understanding, but it was an incomplete understanding. Some further instruction is needed. He knew the scriptures well, and he taught others about Jesus enthusiastically. He was all about Jesus. He knew the Old Testament scriptures well, which we're going to see. He knew that the messianic scriptures of the Old Testament the prophecies of the Old Testament, he had enough understanding to know they were about Jesus. He knew that Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament scriptures, that Jesus was the Messiah. And he committed himself wholeheartedly to preaching and sharing this truth. Very commendable. So how was his understanding incomplete? He said his understanding is incomplete, Pastor. How was his understanding incomplete? Well, notice the next sentence begins with, however. However, he knew only about John's baptism. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and they explained the way of God even more accurately. He had some knowledge, but his knowledge was incomplete. He had some understanding 
but his understanding was incomplete. The commendable thing is he acted on the knowledge and the understanding that he had. He didn't just sit on it. He acted on it. But he had an incomplete understanding. He knew only about John's baptism. And that, of course, refers to who? John the Baptist, right? Refers to John the Baptist's ministry. John was baptizing folks in the river Jordan in Judea. So again, what's the problem? That he only knew about John's baptism. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance from sin. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance in preparation for receiving the Messiah. Some of these things are going to, you're going to have to have your thinking caps on, so try not to be distracted. I can always tell when the enemy's trying to stir up distraction because he wants to get your mind off of what's being said. And then you have to fight that. You have to intentionally concentrate. I've been there because I've been in the pew, and I've had to fight distractions when somebody was preaching the word. And I sense that today. The enemy doesn't want us to know this stuff. He's trying to get you to think about other things. He's trying to get people moving around. Stay focused. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance from sin, a turning to God in preparation for receiving the Messiah. The letters in bold are important. Repentance, preparation. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance in preparation for Jesus, who was very soon to appear, who actually did appear even as John was still baptizing. Jesus was actually baptized by John. You're familiar with all of that, right? That's when John made that classic statement, he must, he must increase, I must decrease. In other words, John's ministry was going to be replaced shortly by a greater ministry. He must increase once Jesus was baptized, I must decrease. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance in preparation for. Keep that in mind. So in those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness, and he began preaching. And his message was, repent of your sins, turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is near. Near, but not yet come. Kingdom of God was near, but it had not yet come. Jesus is coming. Messiah is at the door. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is about to invade earth. And it's about to rock this world is what John was saying. The kingdom of heaven is near. It's at the door. It's about to break out. It's about to break in to your life and into your sphere of influence and into this world in which we live, into your community. John's message, you want to be ready when he comes. You don't want to miss his arrival. That was John's message to his generation. But by application, it sounds like a very relevant message for today, doesn't it? Jesus is coming, and you want to be ready when he comes. And you do not want to miss his arrival. Since Apollos only knew and only had experienced the baptism of John, some information about the baptism of John will be helpful for us in understanding what's going on here. John's baptism... It was a preparatory baptism. It was only 
a preparatory baptism. It was not the real deal, so to speak. Now, i got to be careful with that because it was very important in that day, but it was not the real deal. The purpose of John's baptism was to prepare the way, to prepare the people for the real deal. Following that? It was a precursor to what was to come through Messiah, through Jesus. Very important. John's baptism did not include the message of salvation by faith in a risen Savior. It was a baptism of repentance only. It did not include a message of salvation by faith in a risen Savior. Only preparation for a Savior or a Messiah to come. How could his message be about faith in a risen Savior? Because Jesus had not yet died and rose again. That had to happen in space and time. John's message was only a message of repentance, not a message of faith, trust, belief. It's a message of repentance. It only looked forward to and anticipated the real deal that came in Jesus. That's very important to understand in our text today, to understand our text today. John's baptism, it belonged to the Old Testament age. As we said, it anticipated a greater baptism to come in the name of and by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Jesus' baptism belongs to the New Testament age, the church age, the age of salvation by faith in a risen Savior, Christ Jesus. John's baptism was a water baptism only. Baptism in water only. John's baptism was only an outward sign, did not do anything for the person inwardly. It was an outward sign of intention on the person's part, but it was only an outward, external sign. And that's what water baptism is today. You know, we've been announcing that we're about to have a baptism service. Some of you have said you want to be baptized, and what you need to know is that's an outward sign of what has already happened to you inwardly. Baptism, water baptism, doesn't save anybody. Water baptism is telling everybody that's viewing it, I am, I am saved and this is what happened to me. I was died to the old life under the water and I rose to new life in Christ coming out of the water. So water baptism only is symbolic outwardly of what happened inwardly. John's baptism was a water baptism only. Following that? The biblical baptism of Jesus is a spiritual baptism. It touches the deep, deepest, innermost parts of our being and results in us being born again, receiving new life. Water baptism does not save anybody. Faith in Jesus saves us. Water baptism indicates we have had an experience with Jesus. The purpose of New Testament water baptism is simply to evidence that we are now saved. So back to the scripture. This is in Matthew now. This is John. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I, so much greater I'm not worthy even to be his slave or carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire.
So let's return to the text and see what's going on with Apollos. Apollos knew only about John's baptism. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, he was preaching John's, John's baptism boldly. They took him aside and they explained the way of God even more accurately. One thing I have found in my Christian life is that God will allow us to come into some information, some knowledge, some understanding. And as we faithfully walk with him, he tweaks that. I shouldn't even tell you guys this because some of you here actually were a part of this. But back in the E-Town church, before we started this church, I used to teach Sunday school. And a lot of people took my Sunday school classes. And when I think back now, I cringe at some of the stuff I taught because my understanding was incomplete. Especially in the area of the Holy Spirit. Not wrong. I was walking in the light that I had at the time. But now I'm like, man, if I, if I could have that to do over, my thinking on certain things has so, God has so tweaked it and it's morphed over the years. I teach some of those subjects differently. It wasn't heresy. No, it's not heresy. Nothing like that. It's just I had an incomplete understanding, kind of like Apollos. Man, he was preaching with all his heart what he knew. And Priscilla and Aquila, Priscilla and Aquila appreciated that, but he said, we got to get this guy up to speed. we got to get this guy know more accurately the ways of the Lord. He's going to be an excellent servant in the kingdom of God, even more effective once we get him up to speed. Is this making sense to you guys? We have knowledge, we have understanding, but it's, it's incomplete. He was still operating under the Old Testament baptism of John, somehow not realizing that John's baptism had been replaced by the baptism of Jesus by the Holy Spirit and fire. And that was all prophesied. That's nothing new. But for some reason, Apollos did not have that knowledge. He did not have that understanding. John's baptism had been replaced by the baptism of Jesus in the Holy Spirit and fire, which occurred tangibly for the first time at Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. New Testament baptism, remember John's was an Old Testament baptism. New Testament baptism was now in Jesus' name and in the fire and in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Salvation was now in a faith in a risen Savior, not repentance, waiting for a Savior. Salvation was now faith in a Messiah and a Savior who was crucified, died, resurrected, sits at the right hand of the Father and rules the nations. Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue. They took him aside and they explained the ways of God even more accurately. They observed and they understood what was going on. Apollos' understanding was good, but it was incomplete. He needed further instruction. So they instructed him. They took him under their wing and they instructed him. What do we call that? Discipleship. Thanks, Art. I can always depend on you. They instructed him. They brought him up to speed in what was needed, the stuff we just spoke of. They discipled him. The result? Apollos had been thinking about going back to Achaia, and the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. When he arrived there, he refuted the Jews with powerful arguments in public debate. 
Using the scriptures, he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. The result of this discipleship, this passage goes on to say that he went back to Corinth and Athens and that area of southern Greece, and he became even more effective at refuting the heresy and the deception of the religious Jews. He became a powerful force in the kingdom as God tweaked his thinking, and he came into a greater understanding. Through the instruction of two fellow believers who discipled him. With his new understanding, his preaching and teaching were even now more bold and more confident. Probably, it doesn't say this, but probably because he was now filled with the Holy Spirit. Operating out of the fullness of the Spirit. Because he had come into an understanding of the New Testament baptism in Jesus' name. In fire and in the fullness of the Spirit. As we said, it's almost as if Luke put this in here to illustrate our point from last week. Believers, new believers especially, new believers need to be discipled. And Apollos needed to be discipled. New believers need to be taught truthfully and accurately in the ways of the Lord. Otherwise, and this is one of the primary problems, concerns, issues in the church today, that believers are... God's moving and believers are caught up at least enough emotionally to pray a sinner's prayer, but they're never taught. They're never discipled. They never learn the ways of the Lord. Consequently, they're professing believers, but they're living out there just like everybody else in the world. That results in a weak, powerless, impotent church to fight against the world, the flesh, and the devil. New believers need to be discipled. We use the illustration quite often of the Jesus movement, late 60s, 70s, maybe even a little bit into the 80s. And it's estimated that at least a million, maybe millions of beatniks and hippies were coming to the Lord. The Holy Spirit was moving in that community of outcasts that we had written off. And they were truly getting saved, but the church wouldn't accept them. And so they were never taught, and they were never discipled, and they never grew. And now they're just living life like they always live. Maybe they're saved. Maybe they're not. But they never grew into a powerful kingdom force. And that's one reason why our country is in the state that it's in. God was raising up an army, but no one trained the army. So Satan had his day. The good news, God's given us another chance. We're right on the edge of a do-over. I believe millions, well, many, 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 100,000 in our area. Lost souls are going to come to Christ. We better not drop the ball this time, church, because they're the only hope for our nation to turn around. We see these people get saved, and we disciple them, and they become a force for righteousness in our nation. Is anybody out there? Hello. Earth to CCF. If we are not discipling new believers, they are then, at best, ineffective in kingdom work. They are, at worst, deceived and led astray. And now you don't even know if they truly were saved. You can't tell. This ends chapter 18. We have seven short verses in chapter 19 that Chris read. As we move into chapter 19, Paul encounters a similar situation when he arrives at Ephesus. 
that Priscilla and Aquila uh, encountered when, when they came across Apollos. This time, Luke even gives some more detail on the situation. While Apollos was in Corinth, so that's just important because Apollos is already out of Ephesus and he's now serving over in Greece. So Paul had nothing to do with that. He and Paul had no interaction at this point. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul now traveled, but through the interior regions. Sorry. Until he reached Ephesus, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked. Well, no, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Well, then what baptism did you experience? He asked. And they replied, what? The baptism of John. Here we go again. Apollos had already gone. He had already left. Paul arrived. The incident in the last chapter of 18 is in the past. This is a completely new encounter, but with very similar circumstances. We again run into this baptism of John. Remember, the New Testament was written at at a time when we were transitioning from the Old Testament to the New Testament. So there was a lot of overlap. Paul comes across some believers, it calls them believers, with an incomplete understanding of the Christian life and experience. They had only experienced the baptism of John. They were not aware of the baptism of of Jesus in the Holy Spirit and fire. Something was lacking in their understanding. Their spiritual experience was incomplete. Now, just one possible speculation. Paul traveled through the interior until he reached Ephesus, which means he took the backwoods route. He didn't sail the coast where the the major cities were. He weaved his way up through some mountainous and and woods-type area. Luke includes that in my mind for a reason, that that's the route Paul took. It's, It's kind of inconsequential, except I think it plays into the story. Perhaps this group of believers lived in a remote area somewhere outside of Ephesus, separated from the larger body of the church at Ephesus. This could contribute to their lack of understanding. Very important. They were not connected to the church, so they were missing out on some teaching. Are you getting that subtle hint there? You disconnect from the church. You're not a part of a church. You're not involved in a church or committed to a church. You are missing out, and the Holy Spirit's moving on, and you may very well be left behind. Connecting to a church was one of the four components of discipleship last week. I know it caught Justin's attention. We do not want to neglect the gathering of ourselves together. We do not want to remove ourselves from gathering with the church. We miss out on too much to our own detriment and to the detriment of others whom God calls us to reach and serve. So there's also a note in there that says, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. That's not quite what they said. It doesn't mean that they did not know there was a Holy Spirit. Any good Jew knew that there was a Holy Spirit because they knew the Old Testament Scriptures. They knew a Holy Spirit existed, but they knew nothing of this New Testament phenomena, the baptism of Jesus for the fullness and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. They didn't have the understanding that the Holy Spirit comes upon believers and dwells within believers and empowers them for service. They didn't have that understanding. Well, no, 
Paul. We, we didn't even know something like that existed. Ah, uh, again, a lack in the church today. The church knows God the Father very well. The church knows Jesus very well. Church does not, the church today does not know the Holy Spirit very well. And it's to our own detriment that we don't. But this isn't a message about that. I'm going to share that at the end. I thought it was going to be. This isn't a message about the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Even though I wanted it to be, it's not. Because that's not what God's speaking today. Although it's in the text. They didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit's role in the believer's life. So Paul said, hey, look, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. Well, you can see these believers' hearts because as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in other tongues, and they prophesied. Paul confirms what we earlier said about the baptism of John. It was good for the time, but it belonged to the Old Testament age. It was a water baptism only, with only outward significance, identifying with repentance of sin. However, it was soon to be replaced by a greater baptism, a New, a New Testament baptism, a baptism in Jesus' name, in the name of the Lord, in the Holy Spirit. And when these believers heard this, they immediately embraced it. They received the teaching. They were baptized in Jesus' name. The Holy Spirit came upon them as he had other groups that we read about, and they immediately evidenced the fullness of the Holy Spirit. When they heard Paul talk about the greater truth, they said, we want some of that. And they got it. And you can have it too. How much more will the Heavenly Father, will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask for it? This is not a message on the Holy Spirit. But if you haven't received the fullness of the Spirit and you have not asked Him for it, do that, please. Until we do that, until we're filled with the Spirit, we serve Him ineffectively. We need to be empowered for service. And that will result in some crazy things. He's able to do immeasurably beyond, uh, more beyond that you can even think or imagine. This is not a message on the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's just turning into one, that's all. Because if you're sitting there and thinking, oh, but he wouldn't fill me. Oh, my gosh. He so longs to fill you. He so longs to do great things in your life that you can't even think or imagine at this point because you never experienced it. And he's just waiting for us to ask. He's waiting for us to ask. He's waiting for us to really get hungry enough for it. He's waiting for us to get, finally get dissatisfied and discontent enough with this world that we'll turn to him for the fullness. I mean, what more does it take? Look at the last two and a half years. What more does God have to do before we're going to forsake the world and embrace him? Old habits die hard, though, don't they? We love the world. We love the things of the world. Even though the Lord said, don't do that. So we're going to move to a conclusion and an application. 
Here's the conclusion, because this is still the main point of the message. New believers need to be discipled. New believers need to be taught truthfully and accurately in the ways of the Lord. They can't be left in the birthing room. They can't be left on their own. They need somebody, a mature believer, to come around them and nurture and care for them and move them on to maturity. And God's plan is that as that's happening, they will also come around new believers and be doing that. And we have this pyramid kingdom work going on. This is the main point of the message. New believers need to be discipled. That's the thing God hammered last week, and he's hammering again this week. It's not my word like a hammer, says the Lord, that smashes the rock in pieces. So in case you didn't get it last week, we're getting a few more hammer blows this week. Now, ironically and initially, I thought this would be a good place to teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's a subject with a lot of mystery and a lot of differing opinions. From A to Z and beyond. I even had the elders prepared for a possible ministry time, and now they're mad at me because I canceled it. But after I spoke with them, they saw the wisdom of canceling it, I hope. Right, Dan? Yes. Two of them didn't even come today because of that. (laughs) Just kidding. They're on vacation. They wouldn't have been here anyhow, so they would have missed out. But I had the elders to prepare for a laying hands-on ministry time for folks to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit or at least some sort of fresh experience with the Holy Spirit. I was ready to go that way, but I felt this check from God. That's not what he wanted to do today. He's going to do that, not today. I think that's coming, but not today. As I studied this passage more deeply, As I spoke with our worship leader, and that's a long story. I'll share it privately if you want to know. But as I studied the passage more deeply, I began to sense God's not bringing a message on the Holy Spirit. That's not where we're headed this week. That's not what Luke was emphasizing. It just happens to be in there because it was a reality. It was not Luke's intention at all to write a treatise or or doctrine, doctrinal statement on the baptism of the Holy Spirit in this passage. He's just relaying some events factually relaying some events that happened. The theme here that we've been in for two weeks is a continuation of the importance of discipleship. New believers, and actually believers of any age, can have an incomplete understanding of the Christian life, of Christian experience, and need further instruction. Would you agree with that? Application. Same as last week. Why this theme of discipleship? Well, the major reason why is because 100,000 new believers will shortly need to be discipled, and God needs folks prepared and ready to disciple them. What has been the word to this church now for a couple of years at least? Shepherd your flock. Prepare this church to receive the harvest. And as we keep going that way, God's giving us more and more revelation of what that's going to look like. We need to be aware. New believers will need to be instructed in the fullness of who Jesus is. New believers will need to be instructed in the fullness of who the Holy Spirit is. Apollos lacked some knowledge of who Jesus is, but they didn't have to teach him about the Holy Spirit for some reason. It's not even mentioned. These new believers that, that, these believers that Paul ran into, 
He didn't really go into much about Jesus, but he, he saw they needed the Holy Spirit. So Apollos needed more information about Jesus. These guys needed more information and experience with the Holy Spirit. But the bottom line is they had incomplete understanding and they needed to be taught. They needed to be taught something. They needed to have something added to what they already knew. Got that, Jess? I see your head nodding. So here's, I, I'm not exactly sure how to do this because I'm not exactly sure where, where I'm going to go with this. But I do believe it's of the Lord. Some of us in here may never have been discipled since we became Christians. And we have an incomplete understanding of what this is all about. We need further instruction before we can instruct others. Some of you maybe have been sitting in here and hearing me say for weeks, God's looking for people to disciple these lost souls that are coming in. And he's going to be appointing you and me to do that. And you might be out there thinking, I don't know, Pastor. I just don't feel adequate for that. So I'm thinking that through. We know that new believers need to be discipled. At this point, we don't have a whole lot of new believers in here, but we have a lot of Christians who God's preparing to do the discipling. So, I knew this was going to be a struggle to explain. If that is the case in your life, and you're sitting there thinking, you know, I would like to have some further teaching. I would like to have some further instruction. If I'm going to be called on to disciple others, I want to become more familiar. I want to become more confident to do that. If that's you, see me today after the service at some point or contact me during the week, and we'll talk. And we're going to see where this goes and see what God has in mind. Because the thing he's talking to us about now is new believers need to be discipled, and we as more mature believers to some extent, to some, we're all more mature than new believers to some degree, we're the ones that are going to disciple them. So maybe we need to do something for our folks who are going to be discipling others. I want to know if there's any interest out there. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Okay, good. Then we're going to have Sonny come, bring the band forward. The rest of us will stand. Are you going to come to this mic or your mic? Sonny's going to pray for us. Once we're all settled and ready, Sonny's going to pray for us and then lead us into worship. Ron, will you make sure these mics are on as Sonny prays? Thank you. These monitors. just praise you for your word. We thank you for the, the many mighty things that are going to be happening in the near future, Father, with this church and with the people here that you are going to use in a great way to minister to people that are going to be coming in here. We just ask that you fill everyone's hearts today with your Holy Spirit, 
And just uh, as the pastor said, you know, have just just prompt them to give him a call this week to discuss that that commitment with that Lord. We all need training in this, Father, and we thank you for the mm-hmm. fact that you have brought your word forth to give us that training. We love you, Lord. Sometimes we fall short and we ask your forgiveness for that. But Father, we're going to move forward. We're not going to let the enemy at all deter us from what, where the things are where the things are going to be going here in the near future. We praise you, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our weekly message. To connect with us, visit our website at blesscolumbia.org.